0: Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back.
1: (laughs) I don't know, we keep saying that, but yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I'm trying to think now, which, oh, it's it's episode nine now. Yeah, episode nine. Because I had in my notes here, podcast episode one, because I have a template that I copy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so episode nine, and this time we're looking at a book that we found in Cal Newport's Deep Work, a reference to it. And the book is called How to Live on 24, 24 hours, hours a Day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the sort of joke there is that um, normally people say things like, how do I live on, I don't know, 100 rand a day mm-hmm. yeah. or something like yeah. that. Where in this case he's saying, how do we live on 24 Four hours. hours a day? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a funny title, but also quite a serious one. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I'm sure we'll discuss it. It's just a matter of how I think we prioritize how how much you spend in a day instead of what's given to us and that's given to everyone. And I think that's one point he makes, that everyone has 24 hours at their disposal. It's about how you spend Yeah. those twenty four hours, you know, uh, and I mean, the acquiring of money is done in that 24 hours. Yeah. So it's about you thinking about what you would do um, with those 24 hours. The full 24, 24 hours. hours. Yeah. To make the money that um, you want, essentially. Um, yeah. And I money
0: think, as in, like, not. Necessarily, actual money, Mm, yeah. Just the the value, or let's say, all that time, yeah, yeah. Um, Mm.
1: I think he does make a reference of the whole time is money thing, but it's like quickly brushes it. But yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, it touches on a lot of interesting things. Mm. Should we dig into a book summary? Yeah, yes. Okay, so "How to Live on Twenty Four Hours a Day" by Arnold Bennett was published in nineteen oh eight. The book looks at how th- it looks at the workday and the time outside of that. What Bennett calls the day within a day, it claims that the most valuable um, view of the day is not to focus on just the workday, which most people do, but rather to look at the day within the day, the the day almost outside of the workday. So that time outside of the workday is often viewed as a pointless time where one just waits for the next day to begin. But what makes this worse is that Bennett says on on average, people don't actually give their full attention and effort to their work. And so missing out on the day within the day is even more tragic. Further than that, general people don't know how to spend their spare time and time, Bennett considers one of the most valuable resources. There are a lot of books on, and articles on how to live on X dollars a day, but not on how to live on 24 hours a day. This book aims to help people to truly live on 24 hours a day, to spend that time wisely. Oh. The book goes on to discuss how people often have an underlying desire to do more with their life, but don't. People feel like they have things left undone, and they'll do them when they have more time. It then goes on to give tips on how to approach one's day within a day as to fully live. So yeah, that's the the general picture of what he's aiming at. Um, yeah, a so it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: I should say, I think you mentioned this to me, I think, even before we we read Carl um, Newport's book, but of just the idea of how <clears throat> we focus so much on our work day, Mm -hmm. but yet that's just a portion. And I think, as you, I think you've said, that's only a third of our day, Mm -hmm. you know, and then pretty much the other third is going to sleep, depending on how long you sleep. Uh, Yeah, I I love my sleep. So eight (laughs) hours, you know, is, so I'd say the other third goes to sleep, but you have eight hours. That's, I mean, the same length, uh, yeah. time span as your workout was that so often we do absolutely nothing with. It. I mean, yeah. I, I know I, I, I'm one of those people that um, once they knock off, they're like, oh, okay, cool. kick, My shoes day off, there's done. <laughs> done, you know. But, you know, reading this book, you, I realized there's actually a lot more that you can do with that. And mm. I mean, not only just then, but also like the time before you actually start work and the time after after work, you know. You yeah, exactly. can. I mean, besides saying that you need time to rest, you can easily get five to six hours more out of that eight hours that can be very beneficial. I mean, that's, that's another week in itself that mm. um, you can benefit from or grow from, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think
0: we we don't value time as much as we should. Yeah. And I think getting that that other third, like you were talking and saying, okay, this is actually real time mm. that I can do real things with is extremely valuable. Um, and yeah, it also, same for me. It I, I like to do things and explore and generally like, I like to be busy, uh-huh. but I don't make... Probably use of that other third. And that's not to say that the whole work thing is like, okay, don't even like put a much effort into work. He's saying like you can go and put full on effort into work. Maybe not like hundred percent capacity so that you just feel absolutely finished. But put like ninety five percent capacity, like don't mess around at work. Go for it. And then afterwards, you still will have lots of time to do stuff. So, do stuff. Mm. Don't just... The word he he uses is being idle. Yeah, Um, I think if he was living in our time... Because this was like 120 or so years ago. So, if he was living in our time, he wouldn't have used the word idleness. (laughs) He would have said sitting on the couch watching TV. (laughs) Being a couch potato. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) couch potato, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah. Okay, so... I think let's look at some of the key takeaways. So we're going to look at about four key takeaways Ooh, yeah. and then we're just going to hash through them. I'm going to read a little bit from the book and then Ooh, we can discuss, take it from yeah. there. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, the first point and then I'm going to jump between chapter one and chapter four and just take two snippets from there. But um, I'll read a little little piece. So the first point is thinking about... How to spend your spare time. So it says in the book, philosophers have explained space. They have not explained time. It is the inexplicable raw material of everything. It is, or with it, all is possible. Without it, nothing. The supply of time is truly a daily miracle. An affair genuinely astonishing when one examines it. You wake up in the morning and lo. Your purse is magically filled with 24 hours of unmanufactured tissue of the universe for all your life. It's yours. It's the most precious of possessions. A highly singular commodity showered upon you in a manner as singular as the commodity itself. For remark, no one can take it from you. It's unstealable. And no one receives either more or less than you can receive. Talk about an ideal democracy in the realm of time there is no aristocracy of wealth or no aristocracy of intellect genius is never rewarded by even an extra hour a day and there's no punishment waste your indefinitely precious possession as much as you will and the supply will not be withheld from you no mysterious power will say this man is a fool i have not a knave if he does not desire deserve the time, he shall be cut off at the meter. It is more certain than consoles of payment and income and it is not affected by Sundays. Moreover, you cannot withdraw it on the future. It's impossible to get into debt. You can only waste a passing moment. You cannot waste tomorrow. It is kept from you, and it is kept for you. You cannot waste the next hour, it is kept mm. for you. I say as I said, the affair is a miracle, is it not? You have to live on this 24 hours a day of daily time. Out of it, you spin off health, pleasure, money, content, respect, and the evolution of your immortal soul. Its right use, its most effective use, its matter of the, is the matter of the highest urgency and of the most thrilling acuity. All depends on it, your happiness, the elusive prize that you're clutching for, my friends, depends on that. Strange that newspapers so enterprising and up-to-date as they are, are not full of how to give more on who, which are so full of how to live on a given income of time. Instead, they should be saying how to live on the given income of of money. Sorry, it's the opposite way around. Um, <laughs> let me read it again. Strange that the newspapers, so enterprising and up-to-date as they are, are not full of how to live on a given income of time. Instead, they are on how to live on a given income of money. Money is far more commoner than time. So, yeah, that gives, I think, a good sense of his view of the importance of time. Yeah. And I think it also kind of clearly states, even now, 120-ish years later it states fairly well that the time. general income... I mean, the general view of time mm. as just like it's not really that important. But actually, people should be writing about like how do we think to... How do we think about mm. living on that 24 hours a day? Um, whereas people almost more talk about how we can squeeze as much productivity out of time. They don't... Yeah, I just talk about generally how to use time.
1: Yeah, I mean it's all about time management and all that, instead of how to use time to the best of your ability. <clears throat> I yeah. think that's the sort of sentiment that he's sort of given. And I mean I think I just like the part where he says that everyone sort of gets the same amount of time. Yeah you know, be it a genius or not, you all get twenty four hours and also the fact that it's saved for you you it's not all given to you at once, and mm. up until whatever point you've had the same time as someone that was born at the at the same exact day and time as you are you know mm. it's just how no well more, you, no less yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, but how well you've spent your time up, yeah. up until that that point, and I think he's trying. To emphasize that you know that yes, we all want money, we all need money, and all that, but that can be made you can make more or less in the 24 hours that you're given. You know, the, the what's more important is the time at hand and how you use that, and that's what equates to essentially what you earn. Yeah, you know? um, yeah, to put it loosely, it's not yeah exactly yeah, but value. that's the the idea is that the value value comes from the time at your disposal mm, yeah you
0: know? yeah, and we all have the same amount of it to yeah. create value with
1: yeah I mean from this point, like let's say when tomorrow starts, when midnight strikes, we all have the same twenty four hours the following yeah. day. Yeah. No more, no less. You know, mm. it's just a matter of how I spend my twenty-four hours and how you spend your twenty-four yeah. hours. I can use it to ruin my life. You can use it to become the next Elon Musk. Mm. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it's it's one of those. Mm. Um, mm.
0: And he, he, what's interesting as well is you would think that he would be someone who would push on. Um, because he he seems like someone who writes a lot and does that kind of thing and he enjoys literature. And you would think he would push on the idea of saying like, okay, so you have now realized the value of time, so go and get a bunch of books and read them. But he's actually like, no, most people view life as um, we have the choice of idleness or we have the choice of like literature. Like, you can watch TV in our modern world or you can, like, read something mm. and people don't think about, like, okay, there's nothing else really mm. to do. And um, I think...
1: Um, oh, sorry. To, to no, no, to the, it. Um, There was a section, and I think I found that interesting. Um, probably one of the few things I remember in this book. <laughs> <laughs> but it talks about how um, we should avoid reading good books. Mm. I don't know if you remember... Good novels. Good novels. Yeah. Um, and... His reasoning for that is exactly that. We rush to literature, but we usually pick up the literature that we enjoy, mm. and that doesn't actually cultivate thought mm. because it's either in agreement to what we already think and we enjoy it so much that we just peruse through it, mm. but the good material to read is stuff that, you know, we won't think of on a day-to-day basis. And the reason for that is that actually is what helps. And I think it talks about having time of concentration, Mm That what helps. Yeah. Yeah, That's what helps us concentrate, you know? And I think the one thing was um, reading poems is like, that's the best thing you can do, you know? And I mean, it's been years that I I did enjoy that side of literature. And I was like, it's, it's quite true. You know, you Poems are written are not straightforward. You know, you it, you have to really take time to analyze them to actually... And again, everyone can analyze a poem in their own way. The, the mm. writer's reasoning for it and you analyze him might be close, but everyone will view it in, in a different way. You yeah. know, another thing... I can add it's the same as the Bible. Depending on what point in time you read certain scriptures, you might view them totally different just Mm. because of how your understanding is and how your mind uh, sort of reflects that. So, yeah, it's quite interesting that, like you said, you know, him mentioning so much about time, he doesn't say, okay, then now go read about it and try and master this concept of time, but rather it's like you need to... Follow certain things to get the best out of your day, right? Mm.
0: You know, yeah. And I think so. He so he he goes and he says, okay, that the liter- literature thing—that's one way to spend mm. time. But don't be confused that that's the only way mm. to spend your let's call it spare time. It's not the only way to spend your spare time. There's lots of other things. Mm. If you don't like literature, even if you don't like the idea of like going and reading poems and things mm. like that, then and. And I would say that I fall into that category and I used to very much fall into that category like of not liking any literature. Oh. But now I do like reading and I'm slowly sort of ha- def- refining a taste for it. <laughs> um But he says, even if you don't like it, even if you don't have a taste oh. for it at all, that's fine. Oh. Don't worry about it. Oh there's a whole bunch of other things and then he goes on, there's one chapter where he talks about art and he says, oh. you can spend your time because remember, we we under the broad concept of spending time. Like, how do you spend your time yeah. wisely? How do you think about it? So, if it's not literature, then what else? Oh. And then he says, oh, well, there's art. So, you can look at music and oh. try to have a better appreciation for that. Um, if you go to a concert or something like that to have a a better appreciation for all of the different instruments that are being played and mm. to try and focus more on those things rather than just letting it sort of pass you by. Yeah. yeah. And then he says, but if you don't like that, that's fine as well. Yeah. And mm. then he says, you can do other art. It mm. can be paintings or yeah. whatever. And then even if you don't like art at all, there's lots of other things. Mm. Go and observe the waves mm. and look at them and then think about how the waves end up turning into... Uh, vapor, oh. which end up turning into ice, which end up, et cetera, et cetera. And there's all these different things that we can do outside of just this idle time. Oh. And again, spending time watching TV and things. And that's not to say don't spend oh. time watching TV, oh. but it's just, is that the thing that you're wanting to do? Oh. Or if you sit and think about how you're spending your time, then will you still say, "Oh, okay, that's how I want to spend it"? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then there are these other <laughs> there are all not. kinds of <laughs> other ways.
1: You might have wasted your time now, but you wasted it to find the right thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I no, the the art one was actually quite interesting. Where he was, he was kind of saying you need to take the time to sort of and I. I to me, I feel like that's even more beneficial. You know, it's like you're using your time to acquire knowledge in a field that you've never been interested in, you know. And mm-hmm. I think he even mentioned that probably if you take that time, the next time you're at an orchestra and someone c- kicks off, like I say, how many you can pick it up or what instrument mm-hmm. that is. And I mean, if you had to take me to an orchestra right now, I'll probably enjoy the sound, but I won't dial it down to what was played, what and when, and what key, you know. Um, But it kind of encourages people to do that, that if in Mm -hmm. their spare time they enjoy going to orchestras, then take the time to understand how that musical comes together, Mm -hmm. you know. And again, like, in that essence, it's... And I think that's what adds up to you, like you said, you not being idle. You know, by you taking the time, it might be seen as leisure, but the moment you try to understand everything behind that music, you're actually not being idle but proactive about learning about that art, Mm. you know, Um, which I think is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when you do that, when you learn about things... And I think most people will, will understand this in, in sort of a deeper sense. When you start to learn about something and get a better understanding of its nuances, oh. you can appreciate it more. Yeah. So if you, for example, are um a cinematographer, you would probably enjoy just a, a old school movie oh. more than I would, oh. because I'm like, mm, this oh. is old, I want something oh, yeah. new um and so you can appreciate more and for the new stuff if again if you're a cinematographer you can appreciate all of the nuance and the oh. effects that are going on mm. and and things like that or if you're a storyteller you would appreciate the storyline more oh. um or less if it's a bad storyline. <laughs> um, but generally when we when we learn about things oh. whatever it might be we cultivate a, a better appreciation for it which is Right, mm, but
1: like, <laughs> it, the only reason that happens is if you've invested time mm. to learn about that particular. thing. I mean, maybe we speak for myself, but I, I, probably you share this. I think multimedia systems sparked mm. the photography, yeah. uh, you know, appreciation for us. You know, mm. I think before that we was like, oh, uh, you know, but we did that mojo and all of a sudden we're all like oh okay like you, we had I mean before I, I knew that it was a profession you know but it was just like oh someone has time on their hand and they yeah. can do this you know but then you you're introduced because funny enough I think there were like three or four modules that photography came in because even in physics there was actually a practical that we did mm. didn't to sort of, poor, I forgot most of it, but just how do you adjust your settings and how yeah. that affects the image and the all aperture and all that. And yeah, all yeah of the those aperture, the things. shutter speed yeah. and all that. And we did that in physics, yeah. not even in the multimedia sort of course. Mm. You know, and if you, and again, any Jack and Joe taking a picture, don't think wants to know or appreci- appreciates the physics behind taking a yeah. picture. You know, but I dove into a bit of that. Then, what the media system was—how you frame a picture—you know, rules of thirds, which mm. <laughs> you know, still stuck in my yeah. head. You know, like those tiny things that before were just there, mm. there was no weight associated it. But after spending time and investing time in it, then, as you say, cultivates the interest in that area. You know, yeah. Um, yeah
0: yeah it's quite amazing and and it's as you learn more about those different pieces, like you said, with the physics and the multimedia systems and photography within that, you can appreciate more nuance because of these different uh, facets of uh, of how to think about uh, it and and I think that goes for pretty much anything yeah um which is quite wild um yeah okay so Carrying on, in chapter four, they talk about organizing the day within a day. So this is just another little piece to read to reflect on how to spend your time well mm-hmm. and how to think about spending time well. Um, so it goes like this: Generally, there's an uh, generally, oh, this general attitude is utterly illogical and unhealthy, since it formally gives the central prominence to a patch of time and a bunch of activities with which one's, man's one idea is to get through and have done with. If man takes, makes two-thirds of his existence subservient to one-third, for which admittedly he has no absolute feverish zest, how can he hope to fully live completely? He cannot. If my typical man wishes to live fully and completely, he must, in his mind, arrange the day within a day, In this inner day, a Chinese box in a larger Chinese box must begin from 6 p.m. and end at at 10 a.m. It's a day of 16 hours, and during all these 16 hours, he has nothing whatever to do but cultivate his body and his soul and his fellow men. During those 16 hours, he is free. He is not a wage earner. He is not preoccupied with monetary cares. He is just as good as any man with a private income. This must be his attitude. His attitude is all important. His success in life, much more than the amount on which his estate executors have to pay estate duty, depends on it. What you say? That given full energy to those 16 hours might lessen the value of the business eight? Not so. On the contrary, it will assuredly increase the value of the business eight. And then this is one of the things that was quoted in the deep work book. He says, "One of the chief things which my typical man has to learn is that the mental faculties are capable of continuous hard activity. They do not tire like an arm or a leg. All they want is change, not rest, except in sleep." So, yeah, I think there's some key ideas there. The one is one which we discussed um which is you have the, the one-third and the two-thirds. And normally what we do is the one-third, i.e. the work day. We make that the prominent thing and we make the two-thirds subservient to that one-third. Um, instead, what he's saying here is like, don't think about it like that. Think about the day within a day and use that day. Um, and then he goes on to say further, we often think... At the end of that workday, we've used up all of our mental faculties, and we finished. But he's saying, no. What people need to learn is that we actually don't really tire as easily, at least. He's saying, like at all, almost. We don't tire when it comes to the mental faculties. We think we do, but actually, all that we do is we just. All, all that we want is a bit of change, mm. we don't necessarily need to rest, rest in the same way that that our bodies need rest if we do too many pull ups or something like that, like for me, half a pull up so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah yeah, so I think it's it's another helpful way of thinking about how do you spend mm-hmm. that time
1: mm-hmm. I think it's more of like a context switching thing that we at the end of the eight hour work day. So then, yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the, there can be times when we are tired, but it's more of we're tired of the repetition of doing that thing. And mm-hmm. rather, we need to just switch the context a bit, just do something completely different. And then it will seem as if, you know, we're not tired at all. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, he uses a uh, some good examples at times where he basically talks about um you get home from work and you have a, a nice date mm. lined up, mm. you're gonna have lots of energy. <laughs> but um we think when we get home from a busy day then we don't have energy mm. because we um we just have to do something that we don't really feel mm. like doing or something. But okay. if we can realise that we actually do have energy, it's just our mind tricking us, then yeah, that can be very helpful. Mm. Um, Okay, so moving on to the second point. So we looked at how do we think about spending time and and that. And then the other key takeaway is valuing blocks of time. So how do you spend your time is one, but how do you value blocks of time? Um, And yeah, there's some some nice stuff that he has written. Um, So I'll read another massive block. So there's two little sections here. It's One is about the morning and one is about the evening. So I'll read the, the morning one first quick. You get into onto, uh, and maybe a little bit of context here as well is going to be helpful. So this book is almost written, you can think about it, to men, men. in London <laughs> who in the morning they wake up, they go and get on a train, uh, they read their newspapers on the train and then they go to work, they work their full day, they get back home. And they tired, and they sort of sit and relax. That's kind of the the typical man that he is talking tone. about.
1: I was going to say, in this day and age, I don't think this book could have gone to publication. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's not like super. Um, no, no, he's not. But there's just um, very little reference to the to other woman, gender. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was just once at the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. Um so yeah, he says here, uh you get onto the morning train with your newspaper and you calmly and majestically give up your uh give yourself to your newspaper. You don't hurry. You know you have at least half an hour of security in front of you. As your glance lingers oddly at the advertisements of shipping and songs on the outer pages, your air is the air of a leisure man, a man wealthy in time, of some other planet where you have 120 hour, 124 hours a day instead of 24. I'm an impassioned reader of newspapers. I've read five English and two uh, French dailies, and the newsagents alone know how many weeklies regularly. I'm obliged to mention this personal fact. Least you should accuse me of a prejudice against newspapers when I say that I object to the reading of newspapers on the morning train. Newspapers are produced with rapidity to be read with rapidity. There is no place in my daily program for newspapers. I read them, as I may, in odd moments, but I do read them. The idea of devoting to them 30 or 40 consecutive minutes of wonderful solitude for nowhere can one more perfectly immerse oneself in oneself than in a compartment of full silent, withdrawn, smoking males. <laughs> um, so he says, that wonderful solitude and wasting it is so repugnant to me. That's what he says. Um, I cannot possibly allow you to scatter priceless pearls of time with such oriental lavishless, lavishness. You are not the shah of time. Let me respectfully remind you that you have no more time than I have. No newspaper reading on trains. I have already put by about three quarters of an hour for use. So you're saying like, don't read the newspaper on the trains because that's such a nice block of time. And if you use that block of time properly, now you have three quarters of an hour mm-hmm. that you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, But instead, people waste it (laughs) lavishly. (laughs) And then he says a similar thing in the evening. Um, What I suggest is that at six o'clock, you look facts in the face and admit that you're not tired because you're not, you know. And you arrange your evening so that it's not cut in the middle by a meal. By doing so, you will have a clear expanse of at least three hours. I do not suggest that you employ three hours a night of your life using up your mental energy. But I do suggest that you might, for commencement, employ an hour and a half every other evening some in some important and constructive cultivation of the mind. You will still be left with three evenings for friends, bridge, tennis, domestic scenes, odd reading, pipes, gardens, pottery, and prize competitions. You will still have the terrific wealth of 45 hours between 2 p.m. on Saturday mm. and 10 a.m. on Monday. If you persevere, you will soon want to pass four evenings, perhaps even five, in some sustained endeavor to be genuinely alive. And you will fall out of that habit of muttering to yourself at 11.15 p.m. Time to be thinking about going to bed. The man who begins to go to bed 45 minutes before he opens his bedroom door is bored. That is to say, he is not living. (laughs) But remember, at the start, those 90 nocturnal minutes thrice a week must be the most important minutes in the ten thousand and eighty. They must be sacred, quite sacred, as a dramatic rehearsal or a tennis match. Instead of saying sorry, I can't see you old chap, but I have to turn off. I have to run off to the tennis club. You must say, but I have to work. Oh. Um. Yeah. So that thinking about time blocks. I think is where we often go wrong. And it can be quite hard to do yeah. and put into practice. Um, but it's not impossible. Um and if we can do that, then it frees up a lot more in terms of ability to do focused work oh. um and those kinds of things. So he's suggesting saying, Okay, put aside uh sort of thirty to forty five minutes in the morning and then put aside an hour oh. and a half Every other morning, in the evenings, and if you can do that, he says somewhere in the book, he's basically made up. I can't remember what it is like seven and a half hours in that day. Mm. Uh, sorry, in the week. In a week. Um, which doesn't seem like much, mm. but um, but
1: that seven and a half, it's not every evening of dinner. You still have leisure time in between to catch up with friends. So yeah. that's like. Seven and a half hours you can be disciplined about to say, I'll do something productive other than my work.
0: Yeah. And, and he's saying that that should be fairly easy to do without... And it's not going to be super easy. Like, you're not going to be able to use your life purposefully without sort yeah. of having to change it yeah. a fair bit.
1: Mm-hmm. But, again, that's where... I think it's in that ch- at the end of that chapter uh, and I think him him mentions it at the end as well of how you start small. Yeah. I think mm. that 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 has that was one of kind of the one thing he put forth to be like I'm saying this but it won't come as easily at the beginning. So mm. I would say if you know, I it seems like a lot. And, and I actually was thinking about this, to be like, there are times where I think, I can say last year, I arranged my week in such a way that I had something to do on every evening. Hmm. And like I said, it, it is possible to, to do it. And it didn't seem like I was taking up more stuff. Hmm. And this year I've like, forgotten a lot of it and I feel like I have less time now but it's because I think I've gone back to the undisciplined nature of getting yeah. home kicking off my shoes and be like okay I need to rest now yeah you know when I don't need to I just need to do something different because mm. I mean on a Tuesday I have a church commitment from 6 p.m until it runs late and I I don't say I'm more exhausted on a Tuesday than yeah. any other day of the week. You know, it's just because I think when I knock off any other day, it's now, what consumes my time is that like you're thinking of what I should do. Mm. Then the next thing, you're just like, again, I become, the, what did you say? If you start thinking about going to sleep 90 minutes before you open the bedroom yeah, you're door, bored. you're bored. Yeah. So by the time it's 7, I'm thinking of, okay, I need to open the bedroom door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to go to bed. Um,
0: yeah, and I mean, kind of like what he gets at earlier if you you some people think that doing that extra stuff um that sort of more intensive mental Mm. activity or even just doing something Mm. else like going hiking or something people think like okay but that's gonna make you more tired Mm. for your work day Mm. and Ironically, the answer is almost mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, the less you do, the more tired you yeah. become. Almost, yeah. um, obviously, there's a limit, but, but yeah. But generally speaking, most people mm-hmm. don't come close to those limits.
1: Funny you should say that. Like when, when I studied German, I always thought German first thing is is a scat. Like I, I would, <laughs> like I, I would tell my like I'll probably be tired for that day. Up until I got into it, and I realized. I actually had better days on those days Mm -hmm. at Jiminy in the Morning than any other day. Yeah. You know, and again, it's just our mindset. We just let to believe things that are not very true. I think it's just how we define things for ourselves that leads us to believe. Something is the case. Because in your head you're like, okay, gym is intensive, or you know, I'll get tired and yeah. what does that mean for the rest of the day. But like you're saying, it's a different form. Like I'm not doing physical work for the rest of the day, it's mm. more mental work. Which is like I'm resting physically, mm. but I'm working mentally. You yeah. know, difference to that. Mm.
0: And even if you were to do mental work in the morning, you'll probably find that the mental work f- in the day as long as it's different mm. is fine mm. um, and I think I've found that myself sometimes um, when I try on the rare occasions to do things like before work mm. or after work it actually makes me more energized mm. during the work hour mm. but if I'm like oh you know I'm tired and then you get into that l- sort of lazy mm. habit then I'm, I'm ironically less effective mm. during yeah. the work day Um yeah Okay, so going on to the next thing. So that was looking at blocks of time. Yeah. So the next thing is um, basically cultivating your mind. Yeah. Um, so his, the tap, chapter title is Controlling the Mind, but um, it's the idea of generally cultivating the mind as much as possible. And it kind of goes back to thinking purposefully about things. Mm. So I'll read a few little snippets from it um, and then we can chat through it. So people say uh, one can't help one's thoughts but one can. The control of one's thinking machine is perfectly possible. What am I to cultivate my mind in the street, on the platform, in the train, in the crowded street again? Precisely. Nothing simpler, no tools required, not even a book. Nevertheless the affair is not easy. So he's kind of saying there to those people on the train again um when can you cultivate your mm. mind like I don't have time to just sit idly around and he's saying take that block of time idea don't just do it randomly and intermittently but when you have those blocks of time and you sort of um, waiting around doing nothing you can actually use that as an opportunity to cultivate you your mind, mind. Um and then yeah he goes on to say uh, when you leave your house concentrate your mind on a subject no matter what to begin with you will not have gone 10 yards before your mind has skipped under away your very eyes and your eyes are lurking around the corner onto another subject i do not care on what you concentrate as long as you concentrate it is the mere disciplining of the thinking machine that counts but still you may say well let's kill bil- two birds with one stone and concentrate on something useful. I suggest, and it is only a suggestion, a chapter of Marcus Aurelius or Epictetus, which is funny because um, stoic philosophy is, is the rage these days. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the suggestion still holds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he's trying to get at saying when... When you have those blocks of time and you can't maybe it you were going to read the newspaper oh. or do something like that, and maybe you can't do um things like i don't know in our case programming or because you have to be busy you're walking or you're doing something like that, use that time to focus on a subject, and he's suggesting. You pick a specific subject mm. to focus on. Mm. And it doesn't have to be you learning about a subject. It can be you want to think through a speech to write on. It can be anything as as arbitrary as you want to remember all the characters in a TV show. Like I wouldn't personally recommend <laughs> that unless there's a good reason you have. But like it, he's saying it doesn't matter what you are mm. concentrating on but pick something specific and try and cultivate your mind in the same way that you would cultivate a garden. Mm. Try and cultivate your mind to be able to have control over it so that when you choose to focus on something, you can focus on it and you can think through it clearly. And yeah, I think that will produce amazing, I guess, results is Mm. the only word that (laughs) I can think of. Because when you focus on something... Um, And you don't just do it sort of here and there. It's incredible what you can realize and come up with and think through. Um,
1: Yeah. So cultivate your mind. (laughs) I think (laughs) it was when you are saying that. I was thinking, was it uh, in deep work when we read the section of how to um, memorize what's in a room?
0: Oh, and. Using what? mnemonics and things.
1: Yeah. What book was that?
0: Uh, I can't actually remember. But in Deep Work, he, he talks about... So I was actually thinking in Deep Work, mm. like either Cal happens to have come to the same conclusions as him <laughs> or Cal read <laughs> him and adopted a lot of his mm. ideas. Um, they are just generally good ideas, so mm. it might have just been um, coincidence. But he obviously, Cal references him in the book, and this idea of of taking time to focus on things, Cal yeah. also spoke yeah, about. Yeah. Mm. Like, wait, he said, you know, when you go for a walk or do something mm. like that, choose a subject yeah. and focus on that subject mm. and think through it. Mm. I think he might have even been the one that used the example oh. of the speech.
1: Yeah, that, that's why I was thinking about the room idea was also from one of those books where it's like you kind of associate things. It's, again, like I said, something that you know really well and associated to things in the room mm. to help you remember. Is And that ties back to you concentrating. Like, you, mm. you, that's how you concentrate. Or oh, in that process of you memorizing thing, you need to concentrate to some yeah. higher degree. And you use... You know, points of reference, and exactly what you say, what you're saying that if you, when you're cultivating your, your mind, or, or what's the, yeah, the, yeah, you have to pick a topic, you know, because mm. then that will sort of ground you. And in spending chunks of time thinking about something, mm. you know, you better know about that thing. And like I said, before you know it, you're th- thinking about the next thing to actually concentrate on. Yeah. Um.
0: And it's I think the the idea of that focus, people think, Oh, you know, I can't focus. There's no ways oh. I can focus. Oh. And he he also kind of gives the the impression that it's not about having perfect focus. Oh. It's about training your mind to be better at that. Oh. I mean the similar idea in, in the idea of meditation, even though I yeah, there is to like sort of focus on your breath or sort yeah. of try and focus on nothing specific. Well, I don't know if that's how it works. But Head to often toe, the breath uh, and things like that. And the idea is trying to gain more it, control over your mind yeah. so that you... In
1: Quiet down everything else and sort of only think about one thing. Mm-hmm.
0: So that you, you just, you're able to steer your mind in the direction that you want. Mm-hmm. It's not just like... To use the TV example again, it's not like someone turns on the TV and instantly you're just sort of gripped into watching. I definitely am like that. <laughs> <laughs> but so I have some mind cultivation to do. <laughs> but um, I think if you're able to say, okay, that's not what I'm wanting to do right now, mm. I'll watch some TV later at this time or, or whenever. Mm. But that's will. That will come from cultivating mm. your mind. Yeah. So, cultivating your mind—that's the third one. Last one is dangers to avoid. So he gives some dangers at the end. It's chapter twelve. He uh, gives some dangers to avoid when going through this process of trying to use and live fully. Okay. Uh, use the twenty-four hours you you have allocated. Um, yeah. So let's go through those.
1: Um, are we going through them one by one, or you read them through and then we discuss? Maybe I'll I'll read the the titles
0: and then I'll I'll read the okay. little blurb. It's not from the book; it's just like a small summary of of them, yeah. and then we can go through them one by one. Yeah. So, the five are. Uh, the danger of becoming a prig. And a prig is someone who thinks that they're superior to others. I don't know if it's like an old school word mm-hmm. or if I'm just bad with language. Probably both of those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> someone full of themselves. Yeah.
0: Um, so, And then the second uh, danger to avoid is overemphasis on time management, which reminds me of Oliver Berkman. I still feel like we should uh, reread that 4,000 <laughs> weeks. Yeah, four thousand. Um, yeah. The third one is slavery to a program the fourth is rush and overcommitment and then the last and final one is uh, risk of initial failure oh. okay so uh danger number 1 is the danger of becoming a prig bennett warns that too much focus on self-improvement can make you self-righteous and pompous to point to a point where you lose your sense of humor and perspective the prig tends to look down upon others for not recognizing the same and he, he puts in quotes here truths that they have discovered, making them socially tedious and less tolerant of others' views or lifestyles. Yeah, I mean, I think that's money, power, fame, genius—all of those kind of things.
1: So, when you really that, <clears throat> the one thing that came to mind was like Jim Bros, you know, <laughs> those guys. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but I think it is like that. it's, yeah, no, it's exactly the, that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Any of those <laughs> things where you
1: are, um, you feel like, oh, I'm the fitness guru, and like everyone needs to live, breathe this. You know? yeah. yeah, you you almost
0: are above average because of something that you've put effort into oh. and stuff like that. Whenever that happens, there's the risk of getting that ego yeah. and just yeah. yeah. Becoming apparently a A prick. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if the, okay, this is not the nicest word, but I wonder if that's where prick comes from. Eh, Probably. Maybe, yeah. Um, Okay, so then the next thing is overemphasis on time management. Bennett cautioned against becoming overly concerned with time management to the extent that one begins to look down on others who may not be as efficient. He mentions that the world has been rolling along fine, but long before you started budgeting every hour and will continue to do so regardless. So, yeah, I think people go from not really managing their time properly to being like almost, um, I think he uses the term religious about Uh time management. Um, And yeah, I mean, you can see it on YouTube and I love those YouTube videos, (laughs) but you can see it on YouTube. Like, there's just time management everywhere, Mm. and they're fun to watch. And they, but you can get obsessed with it Mm. um, and then think it's like the main be all and end all, but it's not. Yeah.
1: You actually have to apply yourself. You cannot just consume that material and not actually put it to use. You know, yeah. I, I think it's the same thing about. How he advises against literature, you know, like not that completely, but it's like as much as you dive into it, but you need to take the time to actually do the stuff.
0: Mm. You know? Yeah, that's true as well. And he's also talking about sort of if you are, even if you are putting it to use, mm. like if you maybe you're very efficient with using that knowledge um, and kind of ties the, 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 Prig idea with the over- en- mm. emphasis on time management. Even if you're very efficient at doing it, don't push that on everyone else. Mm. Don't try and be like, Oh, um, Bob isn't as efficient as me mm. now. I need to try and get Bob to be super efficient. Mm. Because Bob has been living uh Perfect All dude. of the bobs in the world have been living <laughs> happily lives Ooh. without their time management stuff and they're doing fine and the world is carrying on. Mm. So don't worry about trying to to push Bob to do um <laughs> yeah. or become as efficient as you. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Bob works differently. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Then the next one, slavery to the program. Bennett emphasizes that while following a schedule is critical for personal development, becoming too rigid can backfire. A program should guide you, not confine you. Flexibility should be built into any schedule for it to be genuinely beneficial. I mean, that's just great advice in general. I think we've probably touched on it a few times in the course of the podcast where if you... I mean, say, for example, diet... If you are trying to do a diet and then you eat a sweet and you allow that to derail mm. you because you failed now, you're going to end off worse than you started yeah. because you were a slave to a program.
1: I was going to say one, now that you're reading that, thing that came to my mind was actually black box thinking. How you take a principle from something completely different into another space and essentially works the same way. Because if you are rigid, if you stick to a program, you believe if I'm doing this, I only consume material from this. And you kind of box yourself in. Mm-hmm. As it. say, you become very rigid about it. But yet, if you think about black box thinking, the whole calling out of commands and whatnot, which was used in the aviation world, which worked successfully, was also used in the medical field, mm. you know, it's allowing that flexibility, you know, if you... And I think it talks about how <clears throat> you can be that person that, oh, but at six o'clock I go for a walk. But If it's not six o'clock, then you don't do it. But you're like, even if you've missed it by five minutes, so you, you'd you rather not go for a walk <laughs> mm. because it's six or five just because you've missed it by five minutes, you know, yeah. because that's what that sort of mentality brings about. You know, we need to avoid that. And mm. I think that's what he's advising against.
0: Yeah, he uses the example of the, the like you say, the dog, taking yeah. the dog for a walk at this specific time. And then he goes further to say something along the lines of, um, it's sad to see sometimes there's like the husband who, and the wife who, they I think it's something along the lines of this they don't get along and they don't have a good relationship because the husband is so fixed on the program of saying at this time Mm. I'll eat at this time I'll um, take the dog to walk at this time I'll read that there's no ability to spontaneously Mm. say oh let's go on a date Mm. or oh let's have a friend come over or etc etc and so you end up becoming a slave to a program Mm. which yeah I just it's very it robs you of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instead of giving you life, which Ooh. is often what you're aiming to get from that Ooh. kind of program, it, yeah, you put it well. It robs you of life. Okay, then rush and overcommitment. Bennett also warns against um, the tendency to rush through tasks, continuously thinking about what has to be done next. The overcommitment can make one feel trapped and disconnected from life. The solution lies in reconstituting one's program and attempting less, avoiding an overload of commitments. So going back to that dog example, Mm. um, what can happen, and this is an example that he uses, is one can go from saying, okay, I must make sure that I walk the dog at six, and then while you're walking the dog, all that you focused on, instead of just enjoying the walk with the dog, all that you focused on is saying, okay, I need to get back at this Mm. time, so that I can start reading. Yeah. And then when you're reading, you focus on, okay, I need to be done by this time so that I can make sure I can get to bed or whatever the next thing is. And if you're doing that, you are basically just rushing through mm. tasks and not thinking about them and participating in them. You're just doing them as checkboxes. Yeah. Um, and so the solution there, he says, is don't do that. <laughs> Um, rather, change your program. It's not bad to have a program, but change it to be more flexible. Mm. And also, in addition to that, or a part of the making it more flexible is trying to do less. Just avoid mm. over committing yourself. Otherwise, you'll be like this thing to this thing to this thing to this thing. Yeah. Okay, then the last one, risk of initial failure. The last and most crucial danger, according to Bennett, is the risk of initial failure at the beginning of any new endeavor. Mm. Such a failure can kill motivation and enthusiasm for one's personal growth. Bennett's advice is to start slowly, perhaps even absurdly so, and to choose tasks based on personal taste and natural inclination. Yeah, so don't set yourself up for failure. Yeah, (laughs) whenever we commit to to doing new things, a diet or a gym routine, or those are the classic examples, um, it it can be saying, I want to start reading and commit to the thickest book you can find, uh, or the gym routine is the, like, I'm going to go to gym every day, etc. And you're basically setting yourself up Mm. for failure. And the answer to that is, do commit to way less yeah. to reduce the risk of failure, even if it looks absurd, because if you can succeed at that little oh. thing, then you can add a little bit more, and you can yeah. take a little
1: step, and a little step, and then atomic habits. I know. <laughs> there are two, two ideas that you say. said, that they're like, that's typical atomic habit, even like the scheduling one, I was like, that's like, you know, that um, chaining of habits. Mm. That you don't have a specific time, but... Have one habit remind you of the next one Mm. so you don't have to, you know. And I mean, when you're talking about starting small, I mean, think about us committing to reading a book a month. It started. With us, what we're reading was it a chapter a week? I think
0: we read like one book in a year, we or read, something like
1: that. I, I know, like Atomic Habits took us a whole year to probably finish. it because, yeah, I think we did do probably in two a, years. We read three books, yeah. Which one we finished at the beginning of this year because it was at atomic habits 4,000 weeks and attached, yeah. That was in a span of yeah. a year and a half. It was to like two Atomic years. Habits, one year, <laughs> 4,000 weeks, one year attached. <laughs> One month. <laughs> no, no, we started attached way before. Are oh, you right. Yeah. right? Yeah. And then we switched it up to be like, okay, oh, yeah. it would be like a sample project that we're like, no, now we're committed right. this year to a book a month. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> so, okay. yeah, we started very small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a word a day almost. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think. And I mean, Yeah, all this as well just reminds me of like you said, atomic habits. You start small. Mm. And ties in with the graph of it. It's those small incremental changes. The zero point one is better than a zero. Yeah. Over time, you know. Mm. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you have some concluding
1: thoughts. Um, but what did you think Not, about the n- book? Nothing much. Um, different. Um, hmm. But still along the lines of the... Of very similar to most of the books that we've been um, reading. Um, I don't know. I, it, I'd want to go over it again. Because I felt hmm. like when I read it first time, there's still some ideas that I still r- wrestled with. Not that I didn't, have it, but just trying to understand them better yeah Um, but at the same time I actually want to try it out you know Mm. um, be very intentional about what I do you know when I start my day um, and again like start small start start with very obvious things and things that I trust I can succeed at yeah uh, before taking the Big lips, you know. I think so often we leave things to like, oh, the new year, I'll do something different. I feel like now for me is the time to be like, okay, let me, what can I switch about for the coming year? And Mm. maybe start it now. And yeah, I think maybe every day after work, you know, at least give myself my commune. Commute back home as a break, but just... Maybe every other day. Every other day (laughs) as a start. Not every day, yes. Every other day. Um, Yeah, thank you for not overcommitting (laughs) it. Yeah, but just to to do something, even if it's different, but just thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, Try not to be as idle. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah... um, Like you said earlier, you know, so often we feel like we feel more rested from doing nothing, but that's actually not the case. That's when we feel more tired. Yeah. And I feel that's where I'm at now. Um, So, yeah, hoping to try it out. Um, Be more intentional about that one third of the day, Mm. Um, because, yeah, like I said, my it of sleep is important, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my two thirds I know is gone. So it's just yeah, um, yeah, better position when I have my supper so that I have mm. you know enough time yeah. to do something a lot more productive. You
0: know? Yeah, maybe I might shift supper. Depends if Jamie's fine with it, <laughs> but maybe shifting supper to like straight after work. Yeah, and like then you s-
1: by six pm you've had your supper. Yeah,
0: because eating earlier is also not yeah. a bad thing. Mm. But yeah. Mm. But there's lots of little tricks and yeah. tips in the book. Um, and yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you have. Any... No. That, that, that's... Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I really enjoyed the book. Mm. Um, maybe a quick side note as well is that we uh, read it from the Gutenberg project, which mm. the reason is because, as I've mentioned before, the book is over 100 years old, mm. which mm. means that the copyright has expired. So like. Anyone can go mm. and get this book, and it's a very short book yeah, like pressure. I think if you were to read it if you're a fast reader, you could probably read it in <coughs> under an hour, yeah, for most people, maybe an hour and a half um if you just sort of sit down and and flat out read okay. um so it's not a long book, and I think it has some really, really good reflections. Well. We touched on some of them um and I think maybe. That's one of the things that people can use the extra time that they find yes. to, to, read, to read this book. If
1: you're trying um, to pick up the habit of reading, uh, there yeah. you go. Uh, that uh, part of that hour uh, thirty minutes, you know, that forty-five minutes in the morning, you can yeah. read a few pages.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's just really great to to keep on getting the reminders mm. of how to go about spending time thinking through things, cultivating your mind and trying to realize like what are those different mm. things that you should and shouldn't do. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and as we've spoken about, a lot of those books, the different self help type books touch on similar topics. Yeah. And so it's cool to see that and to sort of try and mm realize like, oh, okay, these things have been spoken about for a very, very long time. I the mean, he, theories, yeah. he's, re- we reference, so we referencing deep work and those kind of things which reference this the book. book yeah. And this book probably has ties back to Marcus Aurelius and um, those kind of books, or, uh, sorry, that's not the book, Meditations is the book, but Marcus Authors. Aurelius is the author. Um And so, those kind of Stoic wisdom books. And I think the theme goes all the way through then. Mm. Um, and it's just great to see that and to try and draw on those ideas mm. um, and be reminded of them. And then, like you say, try and put them into practice. Mm. So, yeah, I'm hoping to to do the same. Um, and I guess we'll check in, see, see what happens.
1: Yeah. But, <coughs> cool. Cool. Thank you very much, James. Thanks, Peter. We will chat again. Cool.